Hi, and welcome to Moments at Arvida, a podcast about everyday people, their stories, their struggles, their triumphs, and their insights. You see, I believe that we all have a story to tell and a unique insight based on our particular lived experience. Let's call it our magic. Each week, I'll be interviewing a different community member at the Arvida Independent Bookstore in Old Town, Tustin. Why? Because their story is my story, is our story. Today, I have the honor and pleasure of talking with Monica Glicken, Executive Director at the Public Law Center, a community legal aid organization providing free legal services to Orange County's low-income and vulnerable populations. Join me as I talk with Monica about searching, honesty, and building true confidence. Thank you for listening. So... Now that I've started doing podcasts, um, I have to think about the in, an introduction for the person that I am meeting with. And it's kind of interesting because it really makes you think about um, how do we describe people? Um, is it their relationship to other people? Mm-hmm. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a spouse. Um, is it their position, their title? I am, right. you know, executive director. I am this. Um, are we just human beings? Like, and so I, I thought I would just ask you as a first question. Your name is Monica Eve Glicken, but who is Monica Eve Glicken, and how would you describe who you are? Dang, I didn't know we were going to be hitting this deep right from the, right from the jump. Sorry, Maria. yeah, yeah. Well, I just okay, value okay. your time so much. I'm like, I gotta, I we're gotta gonna get, get to right those in questions. There. We're gonna skip right down to the t- the tenth yes. level down. I am a person who is questioning very much. What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my privilege? Have I done enough? Should I be doing more? And basically, in every area of my life. Um, as a mother, professionally, in my community, um, environmentally, with my purchasing habits, I'm at that moment in life where I'm questioning everything. I've always had that kind of personality and tended that way, but I feel like in the moment I'm in my life right now, it's a, it's a lot of what I'm thinking about all the time. Um, when I was, I went through a phase when I was younger, say my twenties, where it was, um, spirituality that I was questioning and exploring. And I remember I kind of tried on my, my mom, I should say my mom was raised uh, Catholic, very devout parents, but she herself really rejected the church, was not religious. My dad was raised Buddhist, similarly, you know, atheist did not identify with Buddhist religion, really. Culturally, he would go along with things, but didn't believe in it. They raised us in a totally irreligious household. But for some reason, they produced me, a person who has been very spiritually curious since I was like nine. Um, and I remember when I was like in my 20s, I like tried on Buddhism for a while. And then I I became a member of the Baha'i faith for a while because I had some Baha'i friends. And then I came back around to Catholicism. And my mom at one point was like, why are you 
always searching. What are you searching for? And she said it like it was a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But that's why it stuck to me. I was like, that's right. I am searching. Like, why aren't you searching? Was my mm-hmm. question. Like, why aren't you searching? Like, why aren't you looking for something more meaning in your life? So that's where I was at my 20s. And now here in my 40s, I feel like it's more, not so much the spiritual journey, but just the, like, am I, am I doing enough is basically the question I'm constantly asking myself. So that's not really answering your question. Um, But I feel like that's who I am at this moment. That's a human being I am at this moment. It's a human being who's really questioning myself at all moments in every area of my life. Am I doing enough? Am I spending the limited time I have on the things I'm supposed to be, that I should be spending it on? Is it worth it? Oh my God. Thank you for that answer. Like, thank you for, for the honesty and the vulnerability and giving us like a, a, a glimpse into what you're really thinking about, into um, where you're at in this present moment. And, and, and maybe, you know, you've given us a glimpse into like, how we can describe, you know, um, who we are. It's, it might be about where we are at that moment in our lives, what we're seeking, what we hope to learn about. Um, that was actually one of my questions. It was going to come later, but I, I want to skip to it, which is what is something you want to learn more about or become better at, either personally or professionally? For me, part of it has to be is definitely part of me some of my searching is definitely grounded in my experience being the child of immigrants but in particular my father who came from Cambodia in 72 on a Fulbright fellowship to be a graduate student so he didn't come as a refugee but he ended up being a refugee mm-hmm. because Cambodia fell to the Khmer Rouge while he was here while he was pursuing his masters and he basically then had to stay had to look for um, a way to stay in the United States and not go back because he knew, had a sense that the new regime was not going to be friendly to Western educated elites like him. And he was right um, that he had the experience of friends of his who had gone to graduate programs elsewhere in the United States who were like, no, no, let's go back. Let's, let's be part of this new movement, this new country. They went back and none of them survived. Right. So he was one of the ones who chose to stay. And here he was in this country where he had no family. Right. He married my mom, who fellow graduate student from the, and she was also an international student, but from the Philippines, right? Not the same, very culturally, very different. Mm -hmm. Um, And he grew up with all of these, I mean, grew up. He then found himself married, raising a family here in America, living a life he never had planned on living, right? And I think there's many ways in which I, from a young age, through both things he said explicitly, and just, I think even things that were unsaid, felt a pressure from a very young age mm-hmm. that my life, my my unearned blessings needed somehow, I need to make it worth it. Like, why me? Why am I the one that's born in America t- to all of these opportunities and the security, right? I did not have to walk hundreds of miles through the jungle to the refugee camp on the border of Thailand like my cousins did, right? Mm. I... Did not I was not born in a place like my dad and actually my cousins even were a place that would know, you know, indoor plumbing or electricity, right? I did not was not born in a place where you had to really like save to be able to figure out which ones of your kids you were gonna send to school because you couldn't afford school fees for all of them. And from a very young age, he and my mom were trying to communicate to us and help us see 
the privilege that we were born into by being born, simply being born to two, you know, gainfully employed parents who are together here in the United States. Like, that's a lot of privilege right there. And they were trying to help us see that, and I take it for granted. But I will say, what I absorbed it as, or what I took it in, what it became inside of me was mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. That my existence needed to be really special. Mm -hmm. I need to, and I still feel that way. I don't know if everybody feels this way. All human beings feel this way. But I feel like I really need to be justifying my existence mm. on this planet. Because how else? None of this makes sense unless I'm really making the world a better place. Because mm -hmm. it's not fair. There's no reason why I should get to be born here in the situation I was born in. And I had, you know, close relatives of mine who were not born in that situation and had to struggle in ways I've never had to struggle. Now... Today, they're doing well, okay, mm -hmm. right, the war ended. Most of my family over there survived, except for one family, my dad's brother and his wife and their kids, his one other college-educated sibling out of six, um, the only other one who mm -hmm. was in Cambodia, they were killed they or died. They were never found again. But the rest of his family survived. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm not trying to over-dramatize, but I did grow up feeling like, well, dang, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you're right, Mom and Dad, like, this is special. I do have a lot of privileges here. And why me? And he, I think my dad's survivor guilt, right, mm -hmm. transmitted to me. And so for sure, that's where some of this comes from, is that kind of, whatever the term is, I'm sure there's a term for it. It's like the child of the survivor, mm -hmm. the survivor guilt that the parent feels, mm -hmm. the child has a different version of that. And that's what I have. Interesting. And I've had it since I was little and I have it today and I can talk about it in therapy all I want and it mm -hmm. doesn't ever go away. Oh my gosh, I, I love this conversation with you because I, I can tell that that you've done some thinking and, and well, a lot of thinking and reflecting on it um, about what we carry with us that isn't necessarily of our own making, but it's definitely like inside us and it's it definitely drives us, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally mm -hmm. in the things that we say and the things that we do. You've heard me say this, that when you ask about what is something that I am aspiring to or working on and the biggest thing that's a thread since I would say like since I was a teenager is, is honesty with myself, self-honesty. Mm. I really feel like if each of us is brutally honest with ourselves, we can't go that wrong. Like mm. we're not going to go that far astray as long as we really are honest with ourselves. into a scary part okay fear um and i don't know why we're gonna go into the scary part but i i um it's it we all experience it mm -hmm. uh, it's a another universal feeling um and we experience it professionally and personally and interpersonally and 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 my question to you is you know when you feel it when you sense it, the what ifs, the can I really, the what if I fail, um, what do you do with that fear? I am grappling with this right now. And even though my conscious mind says to me, you know, you haven't been in an executive position before, but you've been a team leader for many years. Here are some skills you have. Here are some weaknesses you have, but you're going to work on them. Overall, 
you're certainly going to give it your best. You're going to you're going to do a good job. That's my conscious mind. But there is a, a fear, like a not a fear in my stomach. So I have fears and insecurities that I am very consciously and intentionally talking to and working through right now with a therapist, with an executive coach, because I don't want these fears and insecurities to get in my way of doing a good job and taking care of our people at the organization where we work. I don't want them to get in the way of us achieving everything we can achieve, becoming them even more amazing, doing more, um, achieving more of our potential. I don't want my fears and insecurities to get in the way. And what I have seen throughout my life is times there have been so many times when I let my fears and insecurities get in the get in my way and stop me from being my best. Mm-hmm. And I only realize that by looking back. Like, oh, man, why didn't I do that? Oh, it's because I was scared. But I didn't admit that to myself at the time, right? So now I'm trying to be very, my approach to it is trying to be very upfront and admit to myself. I still have the feeling inside of myself that I'm the, still the socially awkward, maybe a little strange, like I don't quite fit in um, kid that I felt like. Mm-hmm. And so that's my fear and insecurity. So I'm like confronting it and I'm acknowledging it and I'm like, yep, you're there. I get why you're there. You had those experiences where people told you you talk too much or you were weird or your food smelled weird. All that combination of things that led up to this insecurity. And then I literally, literally have, well, I have silent conversations with myself. So not literally. I don't literally have conversations with myself, but it's silently I have conversations with myself all the time. I say, okay, yep, you feel afraid that you're going to walk into this um, bar event and be awkward and nervous and run out of things to say and you're not going to be great people aren't going to like you and that's what you're afraid of because you remember you know joining the cheerleading squad and walking into the room the cheerleading practice with a group of cheerleaders and not having anything to talk about with them and feeling like awkward and sitting quietly in the corner and you're worried the same thing's going to happen that's what you're worried about totally understandable but here's what you're going to do you're just going to do your best and if you're awkward it's okay it's okay to be awkward you're going to crack some jokes some of them will land some of them won't and it's going to be okay and you're going to find some people that you know, you're going to vibe with and some you aren't and that's going to be okay too. And so I'm like literally like giving myself pep talks all the time to work through the fears. So that's that's how I'm doing it. I'm trying to be very conscious of it and basically trying to like talk myself, give myself pep talks to work through it constantly. Oh, I love it. I love that. You know, for any young woman who's listening right now, um, Monica is an executive director for a community legal aid organization, that um, a local legal aid organization, and this is a new role. Um, and it's so tempting sometimes to think, well, if someone's achieved a high position, that means they're confident, they know it, you know, they don't have those same feelings or, you know, doubts. Like, once you've made it to the top, then what could you possibly doubt? But Anytime we're doing something new and anytime we're doing something that's important to us, that's going to come up. This leads us to another hard question, which um, I just, I have to ask because it's, I, I feel like I'm on this kind of possibly eternal quest, confidence. People are like, just be confident. We say that, you know, but no one ever gives you like the step by step on Mm -hmm. on it like you know um it's one of those words that we just throw around like just go up there and be confident um but based on your experience doing hard things how do you build it where do you draw like 
you know, the, the, the strength from. Hmm. What does confidence mean to you? And, right. and what's the well you draw from? It's interesting because I think when I was in high school, I started doing drama. And I wanted to be on stage and I wanted people to be looking at me. And confidence at that age was really more about acting, acting confident and putting on an act. So when, during the times when I was on stage, I felt confident and I felt good. But then when I was off stage, I felt insecure again and like me. <laughs> I was still myself again. I was still insecure in myself. <laughs> so now I do feel a level of confidence that I've never felt probably. I mean, that's, I, probably, I would say I feel a level of confidence in my life right now that's the best it's ever been. Mm. And I think it's because I truly have come around to liking myself. Mm. So this comes back to what we were talking about with insecurities, that I truly feel like what held me back for a long time was a lot of negative self-talk to myself, mm. constantly focusing on my insecurities and things I didn't like about myself. I spent a lot of time talking to myself about the things I didn't like about myself. And I have now, through a lot of hard work, come to a place where I'm like, well, I can both see those things that I don't love about myself, but not obsess about them and enjoy the things I like about myself and enjoy myself as a whole person and like myself as a whole person, even though those things I don't like are still there and I'm going to work on them, but they might always be there, but I can still like myself anyway, just the way I love my daughter anyway. And I still like her, even if she is a pain in the butt sometimes, or she's entitled or she's annoying sometimes, right? I can still love the whole person of her. I can do that for myself too. And now I do feel more, now that I, that part has naturally led to just a native feeling of confidence that I didn't have before. So again, like before, when I still had the deep, deep insecurities that were const I was constantly obsessed with, confidence was just was only about acting confident. I could never really feel confident inside myself and now come around to feeling good about who I am and liking myself. Now the confidence came naturally after that. Changing what we tell ourselves. Yes. Yes. So I do think there is probably a combination of action, just making yourself act, and then also working on yourself internally. The combination of the two is powerful. Ooh, and I... maybe those moments where like, just be confident or just love yourself. If you can't get there through self-analysis and thought, then maybe the next step is really to just start acting in that direction mm -hmm. and then let the thoughts and the self-talk like follow. Maybe that's what it is. Monica, I think that's brilliant. Um, I'm going to give you a very silly story about Sophia <laughs> that confirms this. Yes. I was upset one day. And Sophia was maybe like four or five, but she could tell I was upset. And she's like, Mom, what's wrong? I'm like, Soph, you know, I'm just feeling a little upset. And she's like, Mom, just hop. Or just skip. hop. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's that. not going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking at her like... Like, oh, she, you know, she's four or five. What does she know? And then she's like, mom, mom. So she keeps insisting that I skip and hop. Mm -hmm. And I do. And I swear to you that it is very hard to be upset and skip at the same time. I believe it. Like, I believe it. It's like if, some, if you're really mad and screaming at someone and you're forced to smile, you can't be like, I Really, it's just these things cannot happen at yes. the same time. Yes. But in that moment, I, I didn't really know what that meant. But now you are like, 
enlightening me here. There is just so much power in what we tell ourselves, which means we have to be so careful about what we surround ourselves with and who we surround ourselves with. Um, But ultimately, we have to really guard the stories we tell ourselves. I totally agree. people this question um what is the best advice that someone ever gave you because if it's the best if you think it's the best advice and I don't know this person then I may never get this advice Mm -hmm. but now I have the chance at getting that piece of advice too and and so do all the listeners and so what is the best advice you were ever given and just add a little bit of spice to the question what is the best what is one piece of advice that you wish you had been given and maybe you want to share with young people today really good advice i got professionally when i was finishing my clerkship at the immigration court i was trying to figure out what to do next i was hustling for a job um fellowships i had applied for i didn't get so i was like okay i just need to apply for a job i gotta figure out where to work and Somebody had told me, you know, just start emailing people in the field who seem interesting and see if they'll meet with you for coffee or lunch or a phone call and just ask them about what their career is like, what their path has been, what they like, what they don't like. Ask them who you should talk to. Any person you seem interesting that seems interesting to you, ask them who are the cool people in the field you should talk to. And I started doing it. And I am a little bit shy. But... I just made myself do it and it was the best advice. You know, as somebody who I did not have lawyers in my family, I had no familiarity with the legal world. I didn't even know what other what jobs were out there that lawyers could do other than like being in a courtroom in a suit doing whatever that is, right? Like arguing in front of a judge. I didn't know what other lawyers did. So that was such great advice. Almost 99% of the people I talked to were so kind and so giving other time and so frank and so helpful. And some of those conversations has, have stuck to me, stuck with me till today. So that was such good advice. I definitely pass that on when I talk to students and young people now who are asking me. And I'm like, look, this is what networking looks like at the stage you're at. And it just means having conversations with people about who they are and where they got there. And don't worry, you're not asking them for anything. In fact, this is the best time to do it. You're not asking them for a job. You're not asking them for a recommendation. All you want is to hear from them about their story. And us lawyers love to talk. So guys, like now's the time to do it. So that's the advice I actually give to a lot of students. Um, for sure. It's It sounds like it would be awkward, but it actually is really easy because they're t- talking to you about something that they find inherently interesting, which is themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're asking about something you're interested in, which is just different paths that are out there so it's actually super natural it's frankly it's easier than dating romantic dating Mm -hmm. um so that's what i tell young people in terms of advice that i give now regularly oh my god somebody gave it to me and i pass it on and it was like the best i i absolutely love that so many jobs that i've gotten have been um that way and i think that when people get those calls there's a sense maybe Tell me if you've felt this before when people have done that um, with you of, I've been there. I get it. And 
kudos to that person for being brave enough mm -hmm. to take a chance on themselves. Absolutely. If they believe that much in themselves and they were willing to put themselves out there and have that kind of faith and confidence in themselves, then there is something that I should like. There, there's something I want. I want to learn more. I want to. I want to meet this person. something that you want to pass down to your kids or model for them something you want to teach them something that you feel like okay you can forget a lot of the things I taught you but please don't mm. forget this mm. man I am trying to figure that out for myself I'll answer it a different way. I'll say one thing. I mentioned that my dad was raised Buddhist, but he's not at all a religious person. On the other hand, there are certain values that he taught me that I realized looking back are actually very Buddhist. And one of them was to, he would say, do whatever you're doing, do the very best you can. Whether it's doing the dishes, doing your homework, giving a speech, whatever it is, do it the best you can do it. The way I would maybe rephrase it a little bit is put your whole self into what you're doing. Maybe doing the dishes is not a great example, but um, don't half-ass your life. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's actually a very Buddhist teaching to be present in the moment and do the thing you're doing. Don't just do it to check a box. Don't do it while you're thinking about something else. I think that was an amazing value that he did pass on to me that's hard for me to hold on to and live up to but it is a value that I hold and I really like to pass it on to my children my last question inspired by the bookstore where we're at um if you were told that you were going to be in a deserted island and that who knows how many years you were going to be there on your own and you could only bring one book, and that would be the only book that you could ever read again, unless you wrote your own, which, hey, you could do. There's a lot of material to work with. But if this was like, yeah, you can only have one book, you're going to be in a deserted island, what is a book that you feel you could just like read over and over again? Um, oh. And why? Okay, so now here's where I'm going to be honest. And I feel like there's an answer I used to give, mm -hmm. which I gave because it was a critically acclaimed novel. And I truly love it. Oh I do God, love I it. I love where this is but going. But it was cool, cooler to say that answer. And I'm not going to say that. I'm okay. not going to let myself say that, even though that was the answer I wanted to give. And it truly is a book I love. Okay. <laughs> but the true answer is, there's this book I've loved since I was a kid, A Swiftly Tilting Planet by Madeline Langle. That's one of those YA books before there was YA as a genre. And it's such a deep book. And it is all about questioning like the nature of humanity mm. and life and human connection and how we're all interconnected. 
I have read that book and reread it. I can't even count how many times. Um, I would I would take that book with me and reread it like till the end of time. I love it because then you could just come up with more and more questions and things to think about. Yeah. So it would go beyond just the words. It would just like generate new thoughts and ideas. And um... the book I was gonna say, which is my also one of my favorites, but I not I'm not reread it nearly the same extent. Is their their eyes were watching God. Oh. by Zora Neale Hurston and I do love that book but that would be a lie that's not the book I would take with me I love it honesty till the very end um, <laughs> you're a seeker you're a searcher you're um, just wanting to understand yourself the world and others um, deeply and meaningfully and I love it and thank you for your honesty today really and your time thank you for having me I really enjoyed this conversation Thank you for listening. I want to thank our Vita Bookstore for providing the space and inspiration for this podcast and Kind World for sharing their original music. Tune in next week for another story about you, me, and us. Until next time.